Welcome to Rebecca Reads. Today's story is actually just a scene from A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. I'm sure you know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge and his journey with three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. This story was first published in 1843, right before Christmas. It immediately sold out and it went through 13 editions in the next year. It has never been out of print. It has been adapted into different versions of the story, as well as many movies, plays, and opera, and so many other things. It even influenced the way many people celebrated Christmas. In the time before Dickens wrote this story, the celebration of Christmas was seen mostly as something that was not fashionable to do. Some people around Dickens's day were trying to bring back old rituals and religious observances that had fallen out of favor. A Christmas Carol brought some of that to fruition. Do you gather with family on Christmas? Eat or drink certain foods at this time? Dance, play games, or think of those less fortunate than you? Do you say Merry Christmas or Bah Humbug? All these came from A Christmas Carol. Charitable giving around Christmas also increased after this novella was published. It really is amazing how much influence a story can have on people. I want to set up the story for you. Scrooge is an old miserly man. He is rude and stingy with his money, even though he has a lot of it. He lives alone and is unpleasant to all around him, even at Christmas time. When he is home on Christmas Eve, he is visited by the ghost of his old partner, Jacob Marley, who is covered in chains, the burdens he must carry for not helping people while he lived. He tells Scrooge he has the same fate, but Marley has arranged to have three spirits visit Scrooge to try and help him. The first, the ghost of Christmas present, has come and takes Scrooge to see some scenes from his past. The one I'm reading is the ghost showing Scrooge a Christmas party from when Scrooge was an apprentice to Mr. Fezziwig. Don't forget to stay after the story for this week's poem. And now for Mr. Fezziwig's Christmas Party. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Scrooge if he knew it. "'Know it?' said Scrooge. "'Was I apprenticed here?' They went in. At sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig, sitting behind such a high desk that if he had been two inches taller, he must have knocked his head against the ceiling. Scrooge cried in great excitement. "'Why, it's old Fezziwig! Bless his heart! It's Fezziwig alive again!' Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his capacious waistcoat, laughed all over himself, from his shoes to his organ of benevolence, and called out in a comfortable, oily, rich, fat, jovial voice, Yo-ho there, Ebenezer, Dick! Scrooge's former self, now grown a young man, came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow prentice. "'Dick Wilkins, to be sure,' said Scrooge to the ghost. "'Bless me, yes, there he is. He was very much attached to me, was Dick. Poor Dick, dear, dear.' "'Yo-ho, my boys,' said Fezziwig. "'No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas, Ebenezer. Let's have the shutters up cried old Fezziwig with a sharp clap of his hands, before a man can say Jack Robinson. You wouldn't believe how those two fellows went at it. 
They charged into the street with the shutters. One, two, three. Had them up in their places. Four, five, six. Barred them and pinned them. Seven, eight, nine. And came back before you could have got to twelve, panting like racehorses. Hilly-ho, cried old Fezziwig, skipping down from the high desk with wonderful agility. Clear away, my lads, and let's have lots of room here. Hilly-ho, Dick, cheer up, Ebenezer. Clear away. There was nothing they wouldn't have cleared away or couldn't have cleared away with old Fezziwig looking on. It was done in a minute. Every movable was packed off, as if it were dismissed from public life forevermore. The floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a winter's night. In came a fiddler with a music book, and went up to the lofty desk and made an orchestra of it, and tuned like fifty stomach aches. In came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast substantial smile. In came the three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed in the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. In came the boy from over the way, who was suspected of not having bored enough from his master, trying to hide himself behind the girl from next door but one, who was proved to have had her ears pulled by her mistress. In they all came, one after another, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came, any how and every how. Away they all went, twenty couples at once, hands half round and back again the other way, down the middle and up again, round and round, in various stages of affectionate grouping. Old top couple always turning up in the wrong place, new top couple starting off again as soon as they got there. All top couples at last, and not a bottom one to help them. When this result was brought about, old Fezziwig, clapping his hands to stop the dance, cried out, Well done! And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter, especially provided for that purpose. But scorning rest upon his reappearance, he instantly began again, though there were no dancers yet, as if the other fiddler had been carried home, exhausted, on a shutter, and he were a brand new man resolved to beat him out of sight or perish. There were more dances, there were more forfeits, and more dances, and there was cake, and there was negus, and there was a great piece of cold roast, and there was a great piece of cold boiled, and there were mince pies, and plenty of beer. But the great effect of the evening came after the roast and boiled, when the fiddler, an artful dog mind, the sort of man who knew his business better than you or I could have told it him, struck up Sir Roger de Coverley. Then old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig. Top couple, too, with a good stiff piece of work cut out for them. Three or four and twenty pair of partners, people who were not to be trifled with, people who would dance and had no notion of walking. But if they had been twice as many, ah, four times, old Fezziwig would have been a match for them, and so would Mrs. Fezziwig. As to her, she was worthy to be his partner in every sense of the term. 
If that's not high praise, tell me higher, and I'll use it. A positive light appeared to issue from Fezziwig's calves. They shone in every part of the dance like moons. You couldn't have predicted at any given time what would become of them next. And when old Fezziwig and Mrs. Fezziwig had gone all through the dance, advance and retire, both hands to your partner, bow and curtsy, corkscrew, thread the needle, and back again to your place, Fezziwig cut, cut so deftly that he appeared to wink with his legs and came upon his feet again without a stagger. When the clock struck eleven, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and, shaking hands with every person individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. When everybody had retired but the two prentices, they did the same to them, and thus the cheerful voices died away, and the lads were left to their beds, which were under the counter in the back shop. During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene, and with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. It was not until now, when the bright faces of his former self and Dick were turned from them, that he remembered the ghost and became conscious that it was looking full upon him, while the light upon its head burnt very clear. "'A small matter,' said the ghost, "'to make these silly folks so full of gratitude.' "'Small?' echoed Scrooge. The spirit signed to him to listen to the two apprentices, who were pouring out their hearts in praise of Fezziwig, and, when he had done so, said, "'Why is it not?' He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four perhaps. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? It isn't that, said Scrooge, heated by the remark, and speaking unconsciously like his former, not his latter self. It isn't that, spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. Say that his power lies in words and looks, in things so slight and insignificant that it is impossible to add and count them up. What then? The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost a fortune. He felt the spirit's glance and stopped. What is the matter? asked the ghost. Nothing particular, said Scrooge. Something, I think, the ghost insisted. No, said Scrooge. No, I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. His former self turned down the lamps as he gave utterance to the wish, and Scrooge and the ghost again stood side by side in the open air. Thank you for listening to Mr. Fezziwig's Christmas Party. Would you have liked to have attended this party? How different was Fezziwig to who Scrooge had become? How could this memory help Scrooge change for the better? Why is the story of Scrooge so popular? What do you like about it? This week's poem is Christmas Carol by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. It reads, Ring out, ye bells, all nature swells with gladness at the wondrous story. The world was lorn, but Christ is born to change our sadness into glory. Sing, earthly, sing. Tonight a king hath come from heaven's high throne to bless us. The outstretched hand o'er all the land is raised in pity to caress us. 
Come at his call, be joyful all, away with mourning and with sadness. The heavenly choir with holy fire their voices raise in songs of gladness. The darkness breaks and dawn awakes, her cheeks suffused with youthful blushes. The rocks and stones and holy tones are singing sweeter than the thrushes. Then why should we in silence be when nature lends her voice to praises, when heaven and earth proclaim the truth of him for whom that lone star blazes? No, be not still, but with a will strike all your harps and set them ringing. On hill and heath let every breath throw all its power into singing. And that is another episode of Rebecca Reads. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. Keep reading through the holiday and join me next week for another episode of Rebecca Reads.